Take your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 15. I want to preach a little different this morning. I normally try to kind of preach expositorily, but I can't do that. This is too big a subject. Luke 15 is one of the cornerstone chapters in the Bible. It's not one parable, but there's four parables here. And uh, it's not just one part of the Godhead, but all the Godhead is represented here. There's Jesus the Savior and God the Holy Spirit as He directs and leads. And, and then there's the Father who gives forgiveness. Uh, Luke chapter 15, would you stand please? I'm calling this Heaven's Supreme Joy. You know, we go through life talking about heaven and everybody's got some, uh, some little tidbit that they want to talk about. Will we walk on streets of gold or will we uh, sing with the angels or what? just what is it? Well, I want to focus on what I believe is the most important thing in heaven today. In, in verse number 7 he says, I mentioned the three parts of the Godhead. You can, you can do this later. But five times he says lost in this chapter. And in verse number 7 he said, I say unto you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just Verse number uh, 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So two times he said that heaven rejoices over the salvation of one lost soul. And you say, well, that's, what, that's great. What's that got to do with us? Well, look over here across the page. In verse 23... Or verse 24. Here's the Father saying, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. He had a brother that wouldn't join in the celebration. Verse 31. The Father still speaking. He said unto him, Son... Thou art ever with me, and all I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. I want to, I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm not, a, I'm not a seer or a prophet, but I'm just taking the word of God and by the Authority of the Word of God, I want to say the greatest joy in heaven is a lost soul coming home. 
He's going to say it four times in this chapter. Over five, uh, uh, over all the five lost statements of the chapter, he's going to say we got joy when the when when the saints come into the the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you to direct this message, direct our hearts to your word. Please have your way with us. Please help us to honor you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In chapter 9 of Luke, we just had a Wednesday night study on the gospel of Luke, and I'm more aware than ever of how great a book it is. But in chapter 9, verse 51, everything changes in Luke. Up through chapter, up through chapter 9, Luke has dealt with some subjects that nobody else deals with. He spent two full chapters on the birth and boyhood of Jesus. Most of them, if they mentioned it, they only mentioned it in passing. Mark didn't start with Jesus until his baptism. He was 30 years old. So, in Mark chapter nine, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, everything is changing. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, that trip is going to take him all the way to chapter 19, verse 44, and I'm not going there. When he offers himself one more time to Israel and then weeps over the city and is taken to the cross. And the Bible says in Luke 19 there, they crucified him. So, 951 said his hour has come and he's on his way to the cross. The theme of this whole gospel is 19, Luke 19.10, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And the, these four these four parables in this Luke chapter 15. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, there's the parable of the lost son, and then there's the parable of that rebellious son who, I, in my book, was lost also. He's a good picture of a religious lost person. He was proud of who he was. He could brag on what he had done. But he, he had little regard for the grace of God when it was exhibited. He did not rejoice with the Spirit of God when it was given. And he was not content to stay in the Father's will. Look around the churches today and you see a clutter of that. I wrote this down. Uh, we've come in every passage of scripture there's just one primary purpose for that scripture 
And if we do not find that primary purpose, we may, there's many times, I mean, I could preach on the prodigal or I could preach on, on the lost coin and preach it in a whole different direction, but it, it would just be an application. Jesus, look at verse 1 and 2. He's on his way to Jerusalem to give himself as a sacrifice for sinners. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured. Wait a minute. Who is the Pharisees and scribes? Isn't that the religious crowd of the Jews? Now the... the, I, I was reading a commentary. One of the commentaries said that the priests the Pharisees and the scribes had very little to do with the man on the street in Israel. They considered them to be castaways and unnecessary to the nation of Israel. And have you ever heard anybody say something like, well, he's probably lost anyway. He's acting like that because he's lost. It ought to break our hearts that he's lost. See, he said, the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Could I say this here and fresh and new today? Our business is not about religion. Our business is not about coming in with a fresh hairdo and a fresh tie and and looking good before each other. Our business is not who can sing the loudest or shout the loudest. Our business is reaching lost sinners. Heaven's joy is sinners being saved. And he's going to say that over and again in this chapter. And so... Whatever's eating on you right now, would you get over it and come over to the joy of the Lord and pray with me that someone would reach into heaven's gate today that has never been saved before. That's what it's all about. Jesus said to these folks, over in Matthew, he says it, uh, over, over in Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 12. Verse 11 said, The Pharisees saw it, and they said to their disciples, Why, why eat your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Have you got any sniffles or aches or pains? He says, But go ye and learn that what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so what he said is, if we could ring the bell today, the bell of heaven, 
It would ring for lost souls. And our job is to help ring the bell, not to ignore the bell, walk away from the bell, and do our thing in a religious service. The joy of heaven is souls being saved. And, and in order for that to happen, we must reach to those that don't look like us, talk like us, act like us. Those people that are a little different than us, that have a mark on them that we may not have, but it'd be, it'd, wouldn't it be wrong for us to become the Pharisee who will have nothing to do with them because they're not Baptist or baptized or religious or something that we've got a mark on? Huh? So, I, I want to try to work on this a little bit and hope that I can, I'm not going to, I know I, I want to not get it all said, but my, the, main, the, the primary purpose of this chapter is that we would come to that place of seeing ourselves in a right light as Jesus works to save sinners. How do you see yourself? I'm not asking you to tell me. You talk that over with the Lord. How do you see yourself? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm better than old so-and-so. Huh? Isn't that the way it works? Yeah. I ain't never done what they did. Yeah. That's not the question. The question is, what is our relationship with him? That's what Jesus is going to say is the most. He said here, Luke 19.10, The Son of Man is come, but for to seek and to save that which is lost. That's, the whole, that's that whole book of Luke. And, and, uh, and, and it's written around, you know, Matthew writes around the, Matthew presents a Jewish king. Mark presents a servant, an ignorant servant, a servant who has no background. Nobody cares about the background of a servant. So he starts in verse 30, there's no, there's no pedigree in, in Mark. And, Matt, and John's going to present the, the heavenly gospel, and he's going to present the God of heaven who became a man. But Luke comes with the Son of Man. And the Son of Man has come just to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to try to come to that, uh, that lesson. See, what's our purpose for being here anyway? Well, you could go over there to Second Peter. God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish. We should be here that none who would, if, that we could get the voice out, that nobody has to perish. That's the will of God. And then he says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me just go there. 2 Corinthians 5, 
Verse Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. In 18 he said, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. The reconciliation is not this. God never reconciles himself to us. It's always we must be reconciled to him. He's not a good old boy. He may not walk where you walk. But if we know him, we'll have to come where he is. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, here's why we're here this morning. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in God's stead, be ye reconciled to God. I've spent two days praying over this verse. Get us back to this thing. That is the most important thing we'll do here today. Yeah, we're going to have lunch after a while, and I promise you it'll be beyond anything in town. There's something back there that you'll love better than anything you ever ate in your life. And there's plenty of it. You can have all you want of it. But that's not the most important thing we'll do here today. I mean, if we don't look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've missed it. So, I want to I want to just try to come to that place of heaven's joy. He, he, he's given four parables. What are the parables about? Well, five times he says lost. I would say probably the subject is lost, wouldn't you? So how are people lost? I, want, I know I'm probably not going to get everything said in this, in this passage, but I just want to hit a lick anyway. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. It begins in verse 3 and runs all the way down through verse 7. We used, we've got a good friend who sung up song, the 90 and 9. You ever hear it? There were ninety and nine that safely lay within the fold that day. But there was one out there in the dark. One that was lost. Jesus is telling the story. He said in four, verse, I'm not going to read all those verses. Verse 4 said, if, if you have a hundred sheep and if you lose one of them, doth not he leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he found it. And then he gives the picture of the shepherd coming with the sheep on his shoulder and saying to every, he, of course, Jesus is the good shepherd always. The type is that we are the sheep, he's the shepherd. And he's got the sheep on his shoulder saying, hey, hey, Bob, come over, rejoice with me. I found my sheep. That was lost. And so it begins. 
and, and, he, and he invites everyone to come and rejoice. And heaven itself, it says, so the angels in heaven, verse 7, and, and all of heaven rejoices over the salvation of one lost soul. I, a lot of times I ask new Christians, did you know that they're rejoicing in heaven today for you? Have you got a day like that? You can say, I just answered Jesus. I believed on Him. trusted in Him. And now they're rejoicing in heaven. There's somebody, somebody over there saying Wayne Hudson today. Huh? It's amazing, isn't it? That God would take thought of us even. I mean, you go out stomping those, stomping those little old ants in my yard the other day and I was thinking about it's a good picture of what God could do with every one of us he could stomp on one stomp would be over it wouldn't have to worry about the drought or wouldn't have to worry about the hot weather it'd be mighty hot without him right but but God thinks of us and the comparison the God of all the universe I've been reading one of Henry Morris's books. It's a comparison of the Bible to modern science, and he talks about the 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 creator of all the universes. And he talked about those that named the stars, and 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 in, in the Greek day, the the day of wisdom. I mean, everybody wants to go back to that Greek knowledge. In that day, they believed there was 109 stars in the sky. That was science. Now they have decided that there's hundreds of millions of stars in our, whatever you call it, and they're in our little, uh, what do you call that thing? Galaxy, and there's hundreds of millions of galaxies. So, uh, if it takes 10 years to get to Mars or wherever they're headed next, just think about it. It'll take a hundred million years to get to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And that's science that's saying that today. Science changes. This Bible said he named all the stars. He hung all the stars. He counted all the stars. And I can't give you Henry Morse's book, but I just say this, that uh, it's, it's amazing to me. See, how's the sheep lost? A sheep has no sense of direction. We had some sheep given to us as down at a church in Alvin a lady gave sheep to us that were her pet sheep and and in the Bible those sheep are the pet sheep of the shepherd the shepherd lives with, with the sheep it's different today I know but but she gave us those sheep they don't have any direction a sheep goes out and he doesn't pay, you know some of y'all have seen a movie somewhere 
sometime of the dog that got lost over yonder and he came back a hundred miles or so back home. And yeah, You remember that. That's because a dog has direction. A, a cat may have enough sense to follow the dog. I don't know. But, but a dog has some direction. Y'all with me? But a sheep has no direction. When he, when he goes out, he's looking at the next blade of grass. And his eyes are on the grass. And, and somewhere, sometime, he wakes up and he wonders, how did I get here? How did I get back home? And he can't, he can't find his way back home. He has no direct... He, hey, do you know anybody's living like that today? Living for today, for today. Oh yeah, this is a weekend. I'm going to live for the next two days. And then it's back to the grind. And I'm... Do you know anybody that lives like that? And that's... A, I know a lot of people live like that. They only live for one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Never think about... Life being over. Never thinking about, is there a way to get back home? Never thinking about, what happens next? Y'all know people like that. I know, and some of you may be living that way. Just a, what's in it for me today? And what can I do to entertain me Today, how can I get another dollar or two today? Eat one more blade of grass today. That's a lost sheep. And then the Bible said, over in Peter, he said, he said, there's a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. A sheep has no defense. He has nothing to fight back with. A dog can fight back, a cat can. But a sheep has no defense. When he's trapped out there and doesn't know how to get home and the lion comes, he's defenseless. We ask this question all the time. If you died today, Do you know how to go to heaven? That's a good question. We've wore it out on people, I think. But the question is still good. How do I get to heaven? That that sheep is, is lost. Over there in 2 Corinthians chapter... For he said, if our gospel be hid, it's a hid unto them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded their mind, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. That sheep is lost. He has no light to go by, no direction and no defense. He's lost. If that shepherd doesn't go get him, He's in trouble. Well, let me move on. Secondly, is the parable of the lost coin. Verse number 
8 said, What woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house, seek diligently till she find it? Now in that day, it was a different day than today. You know, the girls today, they've got Max Factor and some of that stuff. They didn't have all that back there. What they had is that row of coins that they put on their heads. It was, it's, it's, it was their uh, attraction. This is what I'm worth. Ten silver coins. And she lost one. And, and, and now girls have that hope chest and they, they pile stuff in the hope chest, but her dowry was her ten coins. If she loses it, it's lost through carelessness. It may have been lost through the carelessness of some others. You, ever, you, you know, have you ever made a mistake? And got in the crowd of the careless, and all of a sudden you're losing your your character, and all of a sudden you're losing your testimony because of the carelessness of others. They don't care if you're a Christian. They don't care what your standards are. You can't lose your salvation, but she lost a piece of her dowry, and it was lost through her own carelessness or the carelessness of others. I've got four things down here. Is lost in the house. Some of y'all have been in church a long time, but you're still not saved. Face it. Be honest with yourself. A little Sunday school attendance won't save you. Lost in the house. Lost in darkness. Uh... We had a lesson this morning on the light. Jesus said in John 8.32, I, I am the light of the world. Over in, over in John chapter 1, uh, the Bible said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And uh, Isaiah said, If you go all the way to the bottom of the mountains, God's still the light there. I don't have time to go there. You could read Psalm 139. He said, if I, go, if I go into hell, thou art there. If I reach up to heaven, thou art there. If I go as far as east is from the west, thou art there. I, I can't get away from you. He's the Savior wherever you run into him. And you can't lose him. You may say no to this invitation and this service. You may walk out of here just as lost as you came in, you may be so set on yourself that you've lost the value of Him. But you're not going to get away from Him no matter where you go and who you go to. He'll be there when you get there. Lost in the dark. Everything in our society is trying to bring the the darkness down, isn't it? I mean, everything we hear just gets a little darker. 
Hey, that Bible still got light. Psalm 119, 105, he said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's still light to walk by. Jonah said, when I got down to the bottom of the sea and the seaweed wrapped around my head, thou art there. And the light shined in the belly of the fish and Jonah was able to get home because of the light of a second chance God. And he said, when, I, when he got there, he said, salvation is of the Lord. I couldn't have saved myself. I was all the way at the bottom. There's a place over in the Pacific where Fish don't even have eyes. The sun never shines. There's no light there. There's nothing to see. I don't know. I don't know where exactly where he went down at, but you know, you, you get the point. If we're not careful, we'll lose ourselves in the darkness that's around us. But there's still light. She, he was lost in the dust. There's plenty of dust around here right now, isn't it? And it's dusty over at my place. It's dusty. I, I, I read that somebody told me the story this week of somewhere, one of those house fires, they were mowing a field and the mower hit a rock. The spark struck the dust of that dry grass and the, and the fire flamed up. Lost in the dust. It's easy to get lost in all the turmoil and, and the traffic around us. Lost to usefulness. What you wearing those ten why are you wearing those ten pieces of silver? Well, when I get married my husband and I will use those ten pieces of silver to buy a house, to furnish the, or buy livestock, make some uh, profit on, or the, who knows? It's, we'll use that money. Laying in the dust of this world. Think about the brilliant people, the good people, the the good-intentioned people who just never got around to getting out of the darkness and out of the dust and never got to the Savior. So she, she was lost through her own carelessness. He, that sheep was lost heedlessly, senselessly, Helplessly. And then you come down to the sun. And, and down in verse 11 he says, A certain man had two sons. And uh, one of the sons said, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall into me. Just let me say this. You have no portion. You have no goods. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
There's nothing good about us. There's none righteous. No, not one. You have no goods. You can't depend on your goods. He went into the he went into that uh, far country and wasted his uh, living with riotous, wasted his goods with riotous living. He was willfully lost. He chose to go to the. Could I say? Could I say this? Every one of us have got a far country in our heart. There's a place we can go and hide from God until He comes to get us. There's a place we can fool ourselves and think there's no judgment, no day of answer, no time that I'll have to give an account. But the Bible said, Him that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him is sin. And what... And you can't hide in your far country. This is, this is the weekend. We live over by the lake. The, tra- the, the, traffic is, the traffic's going the other way on 199 this morning. Everybody's headed for the lake to a far country where they can hide themselves and not be themselves for a day or two and just entertain themselves the far country he went to the far country and spent his goods in riotous living all his treasure all his time all his talent was given to the idea of entertaining himself and he woke up one day down at the he, somehow he got in the hog business but he was on the receiving end of it he was broke destitute hey there's a day when there's a famine in the land and uh, and he was he was in a place no Jew boy ever wanted to be He's down there in the willfully, rebelliously lost. James said, let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. For, for God is not tempted, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn aside of his own lust and enticed. Lust when it's finished always brings forth sin and sin always brings death willful rebellious sin I don't care I'm going on any I know I know you're going to preach that old Bible I, I know you're going to stand on the Bible I know y'all are going to y'all this is an old fashioned church and you're just preaching that old fashioned King James Bible but I'm going to go do what I want to do. Anyway. That's called rebellion against God's word. God could help you. God could bless you. God could save you.
But he will not overcome your will. You must choose him for yourself. A rebellious... And then there's the elder brother. God never finished the story on the elder brother. The jury's still out on the elder brother. But look at it. Here's the religious guy. He said, he, 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 had, he, he said, I, I won't go in there, but I've served thee. I, I never transgressed thee at any time at thy commandment. I've always been what you said. But do you see him as miserable and selfish and self-righteous? As some of us are just as tradition-bound as the Buddhist or the, or the Muslim. Well, Brother Wayne, I've been over in that church since 1923. I doubt if you have, but somebody could say. It's been in business since 1923. Amen. My daddy was a Baptist. My mama was a Baptist, and I'm a Baptist, and I've been here, I, I mean, I've taught Sunday school classes, and I've, I've done uh, music, and I've done all kinds of stuff over there. Read what he says. But it grieved him when a lost soul got saved. It grieved him. He could not celebrate what was going on in that, that condemned heart of that prodigal. He couldn't celebrate with the father because he was so eaten up with himself. You know any Baptist like that? You know any churchy, self-centered, I never, I, I remember Susie and I were in a, a rest home. We went week after week to a rest home. There was a big old woman there and she was the bully of the whole rest home. There's, a, there's one in every rest home. And she was, uh, she, she'd, uh, I was getting ready to preach. She had unwrapped gum for two minutes and and put about five sticks of gum in her mouth. She was chomping like an old mule at, at the manger. And she said, well, Brother Wayne, she said, look at me. I don't have any, I don't have any jewelry on. I'm not, I don't have any makeup on. I've been a church member for 60 years. I've given up all worldly pleasures. I doubt if she had. And I doubt if you have. I know I haven't. But if I did, it wouldn't save me. Do you understand that? I can't add anything to myself. It'll take the righteousness of Christ if I get saved. And the only way I can receive him is to reach out of myself. 
3.18 of John, he said, He that believe on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's not what you think about it, I think about it. It's not what's your opinion, my opinion. He's either Savior of all, or He's not Savior at all. And the only way you can accept Him is totally... Totally by your belief. I can't twist your arm. We can't sing a weepy enough song for you to, uh, to persuade you. It'll take the work of God in your heart. You'll have to... 524 of John said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me, hath, not going to have, try to have, want to have, but hath today everlasting life. I didn't get through with what I wanted to say. But he that believeth not, the wrath of God already abides on him. You're in one of two positions, friend. You're either lost and know no joy. You, you, ha- you may have pleasure. You maybe have a, a little fun. But, there, but that joy of eternity is not yours. Heaven is not your home. Or... You're saved. If you're saved, he saved you, already read it, to be an ambassador for him. And I don't care if they get tired of it. I'm going to go to a wedding to one of my grandkids. I doubt if she cares if I'm there or not. But I'm going to be there because I want to remind her that 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 marriage better be based on the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want her to hear it one more time. She's probably tired of hearing me say it, but I've got to say it one more time. I've already determined in my heart. That's our job. And the only joy in heaven, read your Bible, is the salvation of lost souls. I believe I'll just skip my other point. Jesus came to that place and they said, Why do you eat with sinners? I got a I got a note from homeless no more yesterday and they said we need another van because our ministry's grown. You can go across the town and the bread lines are getting longer everywhere you go. And somebody said, well, we all just throw up our hands and walk away from that stuff. No, what we need to do is be ambassadors for Christ and go to people in need with the Savior who can meet a need and let Him be in us and through us all He wants to be. When we do... There'll be joy in heaven. God will be happy. When he's happy, we're happy, right? That makes me excited to even think about it. 
I haven't done this message justice, but I don't. I know the roast is cooking and everything's on the table. Forget that for a minute and just look to Jesus. How do you stand? What do you think of yourself? You trying to hide from God or you living for God? Which is it? Have you ever trusted Him as your only Savior? I can't do it for you. This church can't do it for you. That baptism can't do it for you. Only your heart can do it. You'll have to trust Him. Or remain under the wrath of God. It's as simple as that. Let's stand. Father, Lord, I just pray you take charge of this this invitation. I pray, Lord, that I feel like I haven't done justice to your word this morning. But God, I pray you'd help us to see the reality that we may not be sheep, we may be lost sons, we may not be lost sons, we may be uh, silver cast on the side. But Lord, whatever we are, if we leave Jesus out, there's nothing but emptiness, darkness, and damnation ahead of us. Lord, Thank you for the Savior. Thank you for us, the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which is lost. Thank you for a Savior. Thank you that, that your Bible, for all the way through from Genesis chapter 3 to the end of the Bible, God is the Savior. And God presents the Savior. And Lord, our only hope is in the Savior. Lord, would you take charge of us? And direct us and guide us and help us to be all that you'd have us be in him. Now, Lord, I just ask you to have your way in this invitation. Be with us as we wait on you. And God, I ask you to work and direct. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. What number, Brother Earl? While we're singing, these altars are open. The invitation is yours. You're welcome to come. You got somebody in your family that you need to be praying for. You Maybe you need to get your attitude straightened up toward Him. What do you think of yourself? What is your life about? Would you give it to Him this morning?
in here, right down the hall. You can smell it if you get up here close. You can smell it already. Just follow your, the trail. We, we invite you to stay with us. There's plenty there. And you've got to eat lunch somewhere. So uh, don't, don't make an excuse. Just come on back and fellowship. Any word before we're dismissed? Come on, Brother Earl. We'll be dismissed with our chorus, and then we'll have a word of prayer before we go over to Fellowship Hall. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Raising my Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the word that's gone forth this morning, dear Father. We thank you for the man of God. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, we pray that uh, the message will not fall on deaf ears this morning. If anyone here this morning that needs you, God, just pray that they'd reach out to you this morning. Uh, God, as we go to the fellowship hall, we're blessed to enjoy a meal today together. We should bless the fellowship. Bless uh, Brother Jeffrey as he'll be speaking a little later this afternoon. We just pray that you might just uh, bless that food to our bodies. Use our bodies for that service. We're in Jesus' name.